Bring yourself back online. Motor Functions, a Westworld podcast that doesn't sound like anything to me and doesn't take itself too seriously. I'm Jared Borislow, and this man, this beautiful man, this charming man, that's a Smiths reference, is Ross Bolin. What are the Smiths? What's a Smiths reference? Uh, the Smiths was a band from England. Uh, Morrissey is their lead singer. He's, he's a very big animal rights activist. I've never heard of him. You know things that I didn't know you knew. Really? That's one thing I found out through this podcast. I So what I found out was I actually always thought I was terrible at making references because like... You are. You are. You're horrible at it. Well, no, because I thought nobody ever got my references, which they don't. People around me don't. But when we send this podcast out and it goes to thousands That's of people... That's because it's a much larger crowd. I love it, though, because I can make any reference and but there's at a still, minimum, somebody, one person will DM me and go, man, I love that reference that you made. You're still the king of the most obscure references possible, like the Smiths just now. And Locomotive Kurt. I didn't learn much about Westworld or what was happening on the television show, but I did learn about, a lot about you throughout the course of this season. And isn't that really why we did this podcast? It is. That's it's what life is all about. It's about self-discovery and the discovery of those around us because our own reality is shaped. Well, I haven't discovered myself, but I discovered you. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. We're coming to you from Grand X Media headquarters in Austin, Texas with our final season two episode. <laughs> Luke, uh, Luke's bawling. Luke, it's okay, man. <laughs> He's... <sighs> Luke, it's okay. <laughs> we will be giving to you today in our last season two episode, our closing thoughts on season two. And also, intern Serena will be calling in as well to give her thoughts on the finale and this season as a whole. I said before that this was a season two recap episode. It's more so a just general season two tie-up, loose ends, dealio conversation. We're not going to be going back all the way through season two. Just watch season two. We're not going to be recapping what happened. Oh, good. Thank God. Could you imagine? No. that's We did that already. Yeah, I, I had the wrong word choice. This is a, we're going to tie up tie up the loose ends, just like Ross ties up his multiple pairs of Yeezys that look like dad shoes. Just like Jared ties up the vagrants he keeps in his basement. <laughs> I don't have a basement. It's called a crawl space. Oh, sorry. Um, we're going to start off by saying thank you very much, and we love you, to the listeners, which is you, the guests. I'm not even going to ask you to subscribe, rate, and review. <laughs> I, I just want to say thank you for giving Ross and I an incredible past five months. We, we have been doing a podcast every single week since like the beginning of February or the middle of February. And uh, thank you for, for those of us who followed along for both seasons. Thank you. For those of us who only followed along for season two. Thank you. Uh, but I will say I will uh, enjoy not working an additional eight-hour workday every week from 8 p.m. Sunday until 4 a.m. Monday. I was I was working six days a week for the last five months. Not a hero. Thank you. See, I was gonna if one of you I thought you or Luke was gonna call me that. Not a martyr. Well eh, sometimes throughout this season I kind of I kind of thought maybe I was. And I'm not gonna say, you know, send us money. I'm not gonna say that. 
But if you do want to send us money, you can do so by buying a t-shirt for our podcast on grandexshop.com. That's G-R-A-N-D-E-X shop.com where you can get the Freeze All Motor Functions t-shirt that says Freeze All Motor Functions. It's actually been proven that if you wear that shirt and people look at it, that their motor functions will freeze. Thoughts, Ross? Yes, you should purchase these clothings we have created just for you. Our, our shirts are meant for you, just like how the hosts are meant for you. We are also meant for you because we're the hosts. If Grand X Shop is the valley beyond, then the valley beyond is meant for you. And the Dream T-shirt is definitely meant for you. By the way, Ross, guess how many we sold now? 48. 50. Oh, it's close, dude. You got to give me that. No. What? <laughs> That's close. Well, you were wrong, though. Anyways, we've sold 50 Dream T-shirts, which is more than the Freeze All Motor Functions T-shirt, you know? I think that we should we should, we should constantly have them battling, so we should probably go buy a Freeze All Motor Functions T-shirt or a Dream T-shirt. What team are you on? Freeze All Motor Functions or Dream? I think you know the answer, Jared. Uh, which one is it? You know the answer, uh, Jared. Tell me. I'm not going to answer that question. You should. You know. Everyone listening to the show knows. You know. We all know. Okay, Ross is on the Freeze All Motor Functions side, <laughs> but I, my friends, who worked very closely with Bose... Both, both with Bose headphones and with <laughs> Schmelzy Mendelssohn and with our own in-house graphic designer Hayden to create the legendary Dream T-shirt that 50 of which have been sold. I'm on that team. Good, and, good and for you. Go buy the shirt. Anyways, here we go. I'm about to make everybody's day right now because guess how we're starting off the show, Ross? How's that, Jared? The guests asked and the guests are getting what they asked for. Let's revisit and rate my crackpot theories from season two. Are you serious? That's that's what we're doing here? That's what, yes, we've got multiple people. Okay, Ross, what are you taking a picture of right now? It's none of your fucking business, dude. Mind your business. Ross had his phone out and he was like, Take, we have a window in our podcast. Nobody cares. Okay. What does that have to do with anything? All right, let's rate your stupid crackpot. Crackpot. Your your uh, crack pipe theories. Okay, so I went back through my, through my whole rundown uh, Google Doc. Did you really? Yes. Or did you keep track of these all year? No, I went. Well, I, I all I did was search in my in my thing crackpot. <laughs> but sometimes you didn't type it different, like crockpot or crackpipe. I guess there's only a few words you'd have to search. Okay, but well, I, I I dig the dedication. That's hardcore of you. Well, thank you. Uh, well, I will say I these these are only my crackpot, not the crackpipe theory I had. This is just crock crackpot theories that were pre put in. None that I came up with on the show. Crockpot, crackpot, cooking up dope in the crackpot. Did you just make a Migos reference? Yes, I did. I'm way too white to be doing that. Wow. Okay, here we go. First, crackpot theory. Okay. I said that the Arnold cold open and Logan demonstration scenes from uh, Reunion were in different timelines. That is denied. That did not. That did not pan out. Oh, for one. Yeah. Shame. Well, that's. I. I. You know. Technically, Sad. technically, they could still be. In different timelines, but... Oh, Jared. Okay, you know, I need to actually start just... Like, obviously, technically, all these could still come true because they can always pull pull the, the, the wool over our eyes, pull the rug out from under us. I think I want to combine those two. Pull, pull the rug out from under our eyes. Pull the noose around my neck. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what they did. Well, that first one, denied. Next crackpot theory. Dolores wasn't really at the demonstration and appears on screen after Logan and Angela have sex, 
while she is using the mesh network to access the memory of the Logan demonstration through Angela as a means of collecting as much data as possible on the real world. Thoughts on that one? Um, no. You, you're you 0 for 2 here. Uh, denied. <laughs> that, that one, my friends, did not happen. That's uh, why these are crockpot. Crackpot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't say it. Crack, crackpot. Crockpot. It's Connor's crockpot theories. Those, that was his thing. We're crackpot or crack pipe. Okay, next up. Let's see if I can get one. The new El Lazo is saying that some people, like himself, lack a desire to seek the truth and are okay accepting life for what it is, which I thought determined what whether a host was meant to go to the Valley Beyond or not. That's actually kind of true, I will say. Is it? I'm still not really sure there was a deter- like a, a factor that made you worthy of the Valley Beyond or not. I think Dolores is just a nut. Well, the reason why this is kind of true is because all this crackpot theory says is that the desire to go to the Valley Beyond is what shapes whether or not you want to go to the Valley Beyond. It was pretty redundant, which made it kind of true. I'm, I'm giving this one point uh, confirmed. Five, four, three is what I'll give you. I'm giving confirmed to this one. Oh, I, fine. Because if you lack a desire to seek the truth, you're not going to the Valley Beyond. There, then you're, that's like, you're, then you're just, then you're going to just shoot yourself in the head in Pariah, which what is what if, they all did. What if you don't have the means to have a lack or a desire yet because you're on your loop still or whatever? Then you're not meant for the, the door. Valley Beyond. Um, it's confirmed. Next Let one. Let me ask you something, Jerry. Oh, man. If, we, if you were in Westworld and you were a host, do you believe you would be meant for the Valley Beyond or do you believe you'd be meant for some other purpose? I, I, I would be one of the control units that Dolores took out. 100%. That she smuggled out of the park? Okay. Yeah. I think I would end up in the Valley Beyond. Dolores is a control unit mule, now that, now that I think about it. She's a coyote. Yeah, wow. She's she's just a a smuggler. I didn't think about that. Smuggling grapes. Smuggler. I hardly know her. Next up, if Musashi was captain of the Shogun's Guard, it only stands to reason that Hector, who he is there, like based off the same you know thing. Musashi is based off Hector. It only stands to reason that Hector held some sort of similar position within some group in Westworld, and I thought that that was Ghost Nation. You're uh, you're very wrong here. Denied. And going off that, I, I had a little attachment to that. I predicted Hector would fight Akichita at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen. Either. I did not. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. It didn't happen. I'm. I'm. God, I hope you get one. You know. Oh uh, god. Okay. Next one. The whispers that Maeve was hearing, and that Akane was hearing, was them accessing the mesh network that allows the host to talk to each other. I did it, dude. You're a winner. I got one. <laughs> Nice. Yes. I feel... Well, okay, here's the thing, though. At what point did you make that crockpot theory? Crackpot theory. Crackpot. I, I made that during the episode. That was the in, beginning of the whispers. That was before we knew all this shit. Okay, okay. That was... Like, I said that and right when it happened, and then it ended up panning out. And I'm not saying that that one was super out there, because, like, I know other people agreed with it, and if other people agree with your crackpot theory, is it really a crackpot theory? Yeah, I think so. Just depends how many people agree. Well, either way, your boy was right. I also even went, went so far as to describe it at the time. I said, it's supposed to be subconscious, but as their minds develop, they are learning to access it, which will allow for a complete unspoken host interconnectivity, which is wild. I said that. That'll, uh, that'll pan out. Jared's wearing a Big Bend National Park t-shirt. Yeah. You got a point, you got a point for that? 
Do I like? Do I get a point on the scoreboard, or do no, I have? Do you a have a point? Just letting people know what you're wearing. Well, if you want to buy it, it's a tight ass shirt. You can get it on manoutfitters.com. It's from Sendero Provisions. Use code freeze for fifteen percent off. That's one of my favorite shirts. I'm what a it. what a pro! I'm in awe of you right now. Two more, two more crackpot theories from this season. The man in black has given the same speech he gave to Juliet before, which is why we have some lines we hear man in black say but never see actually said during his speech. This one still could come true. Which speech is this? This is the one he gave when Juliet's sleeping in the bed. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I won't say this is denied or confirmed. It's just yeah. kind of still a crackpot theory. I said it. I did it. You, yeah, good job. It's, it's still out there. Yeah. We also have uh, my final one was a crackpot theory about the door, and this is my favorite one that might be able to come true still. It begins where you end and ends where you began refers not to one timeline that features one beginning and one ending, but to an endless chain of timelines powered by the concept of reincarnation with a life both beginning where it ended and ending where it began ad infinitum. And I said that I think we're going to talk about the circle of life and how resurrection fits into it, but immortality does not. I understood several words in like that. Reincarnation slash resurrection. Is, this, is your theory that this is like Groundhog Day? No. Oh, which, by the way, have you ever seen the mashup of Dolores's waking up compared to the Bill Murray waking up from Groundhog Day? I have not. Go to Westworld GIFs slash GIFs, whatever you want to call it, on G- Twitter. GIFs. They just posted this yesterday, I believe. Um, it is insane. Like, legitimately, Dolores's waking up loop is almost like a shot-for-shot remake of the Groundhog Day waking up loop. And I don't know if this was something they did with any intention, but it is wildly similar. I'm gonna have to watch that. Which is also maybe you know they did the James Delos loop was very similar to that Lost guy loop. It was maybe they're just thieves. Maybe you know what they say though. What the real artists steal. That's not the that's quote. Not the, that's, no, that it's, is not the it's, quote. The quote is great artists take. That's not the quote. I don't know you what keep, it is. You keep saying this is the quote, and the thing you say <laughs> isn't the quote. Like, yeah, I can't know? remember the quote, but it's... Isn't, uh, it, isn't it good artists create, great artists steal or something? Yeah, something like that. But the point is, just it does. Who, who cares? If they were like, oh, fuck, you know what was tight? That scene in Lost where... First of all, didn't J.J. Abrams produce this? Yes. So it's not stealing. It's like borrowing yeah. from your boy. But if you were like, oh, that scene was really tight, and you want to use that as inspiration for a scene that you're doing... That's totally fine. That's how good things get made. Is it, though? No, it is. I a lot of good things, yeah. Speaking of that scene of Dolores waking up, she always woke up. Um, before she kind of, you know, the more, if you actually look at it, the more she, the more sentient she got, the sadder she was when she woke up. She used to wake up always smiling and happy. Um, the re- what I think this is about, so, like, I mean, along with her kind of, like, getting worried at all the things she's discovering in her brain, I think that in the beginning of the series... Uh, she was sleeping on a Lisa mattress, and then later on, they switched her bed up, and it just made her more sad because she was not getting as good of a night's sleep. What do you think about that? Ross, are you there? <laughs> uh, uh, dude, what? What is the core of this one? Well, that Dolores got sadder and sadder the more she woke up in her loop, which you can see in the show. She like, stops smiling because she used to be in a Lisa mattress. In the beginning, and then they, her mattress got swapped out for some reason, and then she had a different mattress. That could be it. 
I, I, this is unconfirmed, but I think that could be it. I think it is. And the reason why I think that is because a quality night's sleep helps you recover from distractions faster, prevents burnout, helps you make better decisions, improves your memory, and overall make fewer mistakes in life. Uh, after she switched off the Lisa mattress, she did the opposite of all those things. She got really burnt out. She got very distracted. Sad. She made terrible decisions. She did. Her memory got... Well, her memory got better, just like it does if you're on a lease mattress, I will say. But it got crazy, though. It did get crazy, but it got better. It just a little more scrambled. Just crazy good, good. And she made way more mistakes in her life. She made so many mistakes. Now, Lisa mattresses, if you're on one of those, the opposite of all that. I sleep on a Lisa mattress every single night. So does Ross. It's sometimes the same one, but a lot of times a different one. It's It's always a different one, just to be clear about that. And ever since I started doing that... I I've I looked 15 years younger. Sometimes I wake up at night in my Lisa mattress. It's actually Sapira by Lisa, which, by the way, through our code, you can actually get a significant amount of money off. $130 off. No, you get way more for a Sapira. Oh, for the Sapira. And uh, Jared will just be standing over my Sapira by Lisa, and he'll just be staring down at me. And, uh, and Okay, staring down at you is a lot different than watching over you. And I will, you you, you and need I, to say it the right way. And I just go back to sleep to avoid whatever that is. So, you know when, if you get sleep paralysis, a lot of times, you know, you can't yeah, move and shit. But it's, you, but, fu- it's terrifying. Have you, you ever had that? Oh, I have. Oh, it's, it's, it's fucked terrifying. up. But oh, it's fucked up. You, what your brain does is, because this is actually crazy. This is a crazy tangent to get into. What happens in sleep paralysis is your body recognizes that it's in a, it's, that it's in a very vulnerable state. And because your brain hates you, it makes you think that there's somebody there to take advantage of you being in your vulnerable state to either kill you or, like, scare the shit out of you. Now, here's another fact backed by science. If you sleep on a Lisa mattress and you wake up and you have sleep paralysis, your your brain just goes, oh, well, fuck it. At least we're comfortable. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. But yeah, that's the deal. Lisa.com slash freeze. We'll get you $130 off or even more if you want to get a Sapira. And Lisa, along with making your life better, is going to make the world better. They donate one mattress for every 10 sold and plant a tree for every mattress sold. So you're doing good for the world when you go to Lisa.com slash freeze and get your Lisa and mattress. And good for yourself. And... Just to be clear, lisa.com slash freeze for the next six days will get you $150 off a Lisa mattress. Wow. More than Jared quoted you at. Yes. I will always quote you at the best price. Uh, <laughs> Ross says the best deals. The best deals. Everyone says it. Many people are saying it. But if you get a superior mattress, which is the one that I have, which combines the memory foam and spring technology, $225 off if you go to lisa.com slash freeze. You're welcome. That's the 4th of July mattress sale. Lisa.com slash freeze. Buy one. All right, we're calling intern Serena into the show now. A quick heads up. She's calling in from the Forge because, as you know, she does not live in Austin. She was simply visiting when she was on the show. So the the sound quality might be a little scratchy. But, you know, that's just what the Forge does. All right, guests. You begged and pleaded. You said, bring back intern Serena. Oh, my God, bring her back. And we're like, she lives across the country. But what we did was we accessed the Forge, and we have Intern Serena here on the show on our last episode of the season. What's up, Intern Serena? Hello, listeners. How's the Forge these days? It's pretty good in here. I mean, I do the same thing every day over and over, but I'm only aware of it sometimes, so it's cool. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Have you seen the, uh, the, Ross, the Ross human host inside the Forge? Um, you know, I've been looking, but I don't, I don't know. Where he is. He's the tallest, probably. most handsome one there. Should be easy to spot. He's probably in the Mariposa getting it on some uh, Angela lookalikes. Yeah. 
Maybe he's playing blackjack with Kissy. That's what I would do. Well, that's what Wait, you one would... can only hope that we all play back blackjack in our afterlives. Yeah. R.I.P. Kissy and R.I.P. Actor who played Kissy. The goat. He was great. Intern Trina, I believe that you have prepared your remarks to close out the season finale and season two. Yeah, I just came with a couple little overall points. Um, I guess the first one I wanted to talk about was we had a lot of badass women in this season, and I really appreciated the way that it was done because it wasn't super heavy-handed in your face, like, oh, the women are in charge now. Everyone's the women's show. But they sort of wrote um, these female characters the way we more typically see the male characters written in that they're kind of in charge of shit and, like, running the show. And um, I really appreciated that because it, it gave um, the women a little bit more agency than you normally see in shows like this, but I didn't feel like it was in my face. So, I don't know. There, there's something called the Bechdel test, uh, which is how people gauge the representation of females in film and television. And I'm not going to go all into detail about it, but I will say that this season of the show kind of shattered it, the Bechdel test. So, what's, what's interesting is that you mention this test, and this seems like a very like serious and like interesting test because the last test that you brought up on the show was the test about this island that looks like a penis. Oh yeah, fidelity. <laughs> what's that thing called again with the test? Uh, the no, the mole of Kintyre test. Yeah, look up the mole of Kintyre test because that came into effect with Lee Sizemore, rest in peace. Another very serious test, a pregnancy test. Yeah. That is another serious test. We didn't see any of those. In this no, season. we didn't. We didn't. We didn't see any of those. So you thought that this season's representation of women was like very well done? Yeah, I thought that they gave um, women a lot more control and power in like high stakes scenarios than you normally get to see. But it wasn't done in such a way that you feel. You know, sometimes when people are trying to write something that's mm-hmm. been done incorrectly or for years they go too heavy-handed with it and it puts people off and i can only speak for myself but i didn't feel like anything about the way that they portrayed women was like heavy-handed or overly done no i thought it was really well done yeah yeah a lot of people i remember like complaining because they're like well it's great that they're they're doing a ghostbusters remake you know with like an all-female cast but they thought it was just like so obviously done as like a some sort of ploy to get women to like care yeah, about it, it. it can come off as a gimmick if you don't do it correctly and i thought westworld it just was natural it wasn't like they forced it like all right 2018 girl power they just fucking did it i totally agree i like that you put it into words a little bit more concisely than i could but yeah i agree um with some of these remakes it feels like people are almost capitalizing on a movement whereas Westworld seemed to take a genuine interest in developing its female characters rather than trying to like make people happy by fixing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. but yes. uh, no mention of uh, woman-on-woman crime that happens when Charlotte Hale executes Elsie for seemingly no reason. That was brutal. I know. I'm just playing. What was your? This is a tangent. What was your most like? What death in the season finale jarred you the most? What death in the season finale? I I think my first inclination is to say Lee just because of the way that he sacrificed himself in that speech. And um, mm-hmm. your recreation of that speech was was uh, chilling. By the it way, it wasn't it. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I got it a lot was, of I got a lot of random people reaching out saying like, "Hey, that just that was sure the best thing I've heard all year." 
I'm pretty sure Lee Sizemore's consciousness was in your body in that moment. And I it think just, it like, was. Took over. I'm not kidding. It's like all season long, slowly but surely, when Lee would come on scene I, or on the screen, I would see Jared. Like it was like because they, they look kind of similar to me. If I shaved my beard, if you shaved, and then. By the time you're you're executing that speech, you might as well be one person. Well, remember, I'm being Stable Boy Lee for Halloween, so you ha- you you have to be maybe I'm every being Clementine. year. Are you really, Ross? Who are you? Yeah. Fuck, I don't know. I need to figure that out. Coughlin. No, Ingles. Or, you're no, Ingles. Be the, be the fucking old dude that everyone thinks that you are gonna be in thirty years. Or old whatever. Bill. Oh yeah. No, the one that everyone was like, "Oh, this guy was." Oh like, yeah, you were that, oh, yeah. that one host. That we, so I just wore a tuxedo and looked disheveled and put on thirty pounds. Yeah. And okay. um, and you have to stab table boys in the chest with a pitchfork. Yeah, you, you need a pitchfork. I'll murder you, Jared, on Halloween. That I mean, technically, you would be murdering a stable boy, but not the special stable boy that I would be. Uh, you are a special little stable boy, aren't you? I am, Serena. What else do you have for us? Um, okay, so this next one, actually, I have to give credit. Um, not an intern of mine brought it up to me when we were at Casino Friday, and he said that when we see all these close Bernards when they first discover them down in cold storage, we see one that's built the way that the young Ford hosts were built, and he thought that that was very strange because if um, he was built after Arnold's death, why would they be using that earlier build? With, you know, the weird, like, face things where there was, like, the Venus flytraps. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I guess, to me, the season finale kind of explained that, oh, if Dolores um, was the one responsible for building them, then maybe she would have used Arnold's old build style because she was using his consciousness mm-hmm. as a map. And to me, like, that was a good enough explanation for me, but I wondered what you guys thought. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I think we don't exactly know when they switched over to the non-face opening up style. and. It, it it seems like some of the you know when, when William and Logan are in the park, they're still that they're still that style, right? And we know that that is after Arnold's death, you know, a significant amount of time after Arnold's death at that. So I don't think they switched over to the non Gizmo ones until after William and Delos like took over. Thoughts, Ross? I don't really have any. What are your yeah, thoughts? <laughs> Are you talking to me? Or yes, you. you. <laughs> okay. It's hard when I'm not in there. I can't see who you're looking at. You know, I, I'm pretty happy letting it rest there. Like, I don't think it's super mm-hmm. detrimental to the plot to, like, have an answer in either direction. It was just something interesting that he had brought up, and it came back to me in the season finale. So I wondered what you guys thought. Yeah, I just think that they, that like, it's the actual timeline of when they switch from the gizmo hosts to the ones that are real, like, flesh and bone would be like around the time that Delos took over. Maybe maybe right afterwards. Maybe that was something big that they were trying to do was make it so that it would be even more realistic. Yeah, that's possible. I'll always miss I the think, worrying. I actually think, I think, Jared, you just reminded me that um, the man in black in the first season, he has this uh, line towards Dolores where he actually explains to her that she's really close to human and that they did it because it was more cost-effective. And then he has this line, like, your existence is cost-effective. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Oh, yeah. It seems like a more recent thing, so I mm-hmm. actually think you're right. The nail on the head there. Boom. By the way, this is interesting. This reminded me of another theory. This was brought up to me by, I believe, Alex from Detroit. Okay. Uh, noted guest. And he's, I think it was him. And he said uh, that the Man in Blacks, um, right now, 
the man in black is questioning, we see, whether he's a human or a host. Right? Right now? Yeah. Like, he was doing that when Dolores ran up on him, and he yeah, still, yeah. like, doesn't know. He's not really sure. He's digging in his arm. The big, big part of Vanishing Point, bitch, was that he was like, I I am, I am I real? Am I a host? What the fuck's going on? And now, all, all of us are doing the entire offseason, we're in his shoes. Is the man in black a host, or is he a human? That's a good point. Yes, and this actually brings me into the next two points that I have written down perfectly. So, sorry, did you want to say anything else? Oh, no, that, that was that was all I was saying. Bulldoze over it? That was all I had. I wanted to look cool and smart, and then we could roll into the next thing. No, and I mean, it sets it up perfectly. So, the first thing ties into, um, is Luke in the studio? Yeah, Luke was talking earlier. Yeah, Luke's here. Luke, I don't think that Fred Toy not knowing about the end scene of The Man in Black means that he loses his credibility for the stubs as a host thing. And I wanted to say that, like, directors are assigned episode by episode, and sometimes they don't have all of the information because it's not important for them to have it. And I think in this particular scenario, he wouldn't know about the ending scene for the exact reason Jared just said, the post-credit scene, because everyone's in the dark, and the man in black is, in fact, in the dark. So it would make more sense for the director to also be in the dark so that he can direct his actors in that way. Um, so I do think that just because he didn't know what was going on with the post-credit scene doesn't mean that he loses the credibility for the stubs as a host. Like, if he confirms that, I think it's safe to say, like, okay, yes, this is true. And just because he didn't know about that end scene, I think it's because we don't know. I don't even think the actors probably know. That's a pretty common thing. So I think it was an intentional decision to make it, um, to have a better fidelity in their portrayal of these characters that don't know what's going on. Now here's my response to that. I don't trust anything that any cast member or showrunner says about this show. And that's because of how much they've trolled us, how much they've like been known to like just fucking fuck with the people who try to break down the show too much. And they try to they put in red herrings, they like just they they're just doing all this shit, you know? And yeah. I see yeah. I think I like I do have that inclination as well. I guess I'm just more inclined to believe things that they directly, like, say or don't say in an interview, whereas, like, like, for instance, that gif of the painting, it never fucking came back. It drove me crazy. I was waiting for it all season, and that was a total red herring. Yep. But I think that it's more the, um, the things that they're intentionally ambiguous on, I wouldn't trust anything. But I feel like when someone says with confidence that something is a certain way i'm inclined to believe it but that might just be because i have a curious mind and if i let myself like wander i won't so you're telling me you think Stubbs is 100 percent confirmed a host yes although i will say i didn't think it was 100 percent confirmed by that scene i i did see what you and luke were saying that like Stubbs doesn't directly say i'm a host he says i'm responsible for keeping for, for, for keeping track of the host inside the park and everything he says is, like, very nuanced, so you think it, but I think they intentionally don't put a line in there so that you're forced to kind of wonder and not have confirmation in any direction. So I will say that the scene itself didn't give me the sense of sureness, but reading the follow-up interview made me more inclined to believe it. Okay. I get that. I still thought that it was, uh, yes, the line about he's only responsible for the hosts inside the park was, like, kind of the nail in the coffin, but the uh, the line about him you know, having been hired by the old man so long ago that he barely remembers. 
I thought that was super telling too, because he's just not that old. Yeah, I actually brought up like almost word for word that point with my coworker. Maybe we're in the same forge simulation right now, but um, <laughs> yeah, something like that. What I, is I that? Twilight Zone? Thought. Yeah. Go on, Serena. But I am like Jared. I am inclined to never be a hundred percent on anything in this show. I will say, like I said, hearing something from a director makes me a little more sure on it, but. That's my final opinion on the is is Stubbs a host debacle. Now here's a question: uh, What do you think of the T-shirt idea we came up with? Westworld is a sport. Ten out of ten would wear, but I'm also pretty hyped on the idea of a shirt that says "Vanishing Point, Bitch." Yeah, no, that one's got legs too. We need both. Let's be real. Okay, if you actually would buy the Vanishing Point Bitch T-shirt, I don't. I just don't see when would you wear that. It's it's that it's like a hipster shirt, man. Nobody knows what it means, and they're well, just I, I confused picture, by you. I picture like the lines that the vanishing point say, like vanishing point, and then bitch to just be the really really tiny text that is the actual vanishing point. I, it seems like a good shirt to wear to a funeral. It Ooh. seems like a shirt they'd sell at Hot Topic. It does. Honestly, maybe we can get we in just there. sell this to Hot Topic. They can just buy the idea right from us. Huh? Do people still go there? Yeah, yeah, I go to buy a dildo a couple times a month. Yeah. Oh, they sell them at Hot Topic. I think you're thinking of Spencer's. You know, I might be. That's the same company, though, right? Back right corner, though. There's dildos every store, really. Every, you never back, do that. The back right corner of every store. Yeah, every store, even like a bookstore. Back right corner, dildos. Jeez, what? Well, that's not true. Yes, it is. Grocery store, back right corner, dildos. What? What about like? No, uh, those are cucumbers, Ross. They're not dildos. Yeah, that's a cucumber. cucumber. Car dealership, back right corner, dildos. No, it's a dipstick. That's, yeah, that's literally what I was You guys say. don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Who's older, me I or guess, you? I me. mean, anything, anything is a dildo if you really want it to be. I think uh, Nietzsche, Nietzsche said that? Yeah, that was Frederick, sure Nietzsche. Frederick Nietzsche. Frederick Nietzsche. Okay, Serena, what else do you have? Um, okay, so the other point I have is this, this post-credit scene, and I know Ross doesn't want to like spend too much time beating that into the ground so i won't, well, I won't well, drag you it know, out this here. is kind of the ground beating episode of the podcast anyway so yeah ross is ross when he's not on the mic is literally punching the floor yeah he's like ah i'll ah, take that ah, dildos yeah. your floors are really hard are your knuckles okay dude yeah they're I'm cement beating. um so my first thought when i watched the post credit scene was oh they're totally like in the forage, and that's what's going on. But two things, I mean, A, she says, this is not a simulation, so that's they kind of literally tell us. And then two, I noticed that it wasn't in the aspect ratio that we see for the forage and for um, the cradle. So that was a big telling point to me. I'm going to derail really quickly and say that I have to, it is the coolest thing ever. I think the reason they did this aspect ratio, the cinematic aspect ratio, I know Ross, you said you didn't notice it, but basically anytime they go into the porridge, the porridge. Um, oh, what, the porridge, oh, they go into the porridge, yes. The porridge or um, the cradle, you have the cinematic aspect ratio, and I think the reason they did that is because what is happening in those versions of reality isn't real. It's like a film. It's just a projection of reality. So they use the cinematic aspect ratio to show, like, okay, this is kind of like a film. None of this ever really happened, but it's a representation of things that did happen, or mm. that we'd like you to think happened. Mm. Um, 
I really like that. That's my take on it. There's no like no one's commented on it in an interview, but I'm pretty sure that's why they did it. You just Which commented means, on it in an interview. Sure. That is true. I did. I'm the first one. I'm a trendsetter. Um, Huge. But it leads me to think. I completely lost my train of thought. I got excited. Um, <laughs> it leads me to know that that end scene can't be like the forge or the cradle as we know it. I'm confused on whether or not he's a host, but what I do think is that this place that we're seeing in the post credit scene is an entirely different realm for people who are irredeemable. So I guess the closest thing would be like a, a purgatory of sorts. Oh, and I like that thought. So it's not it's not the forge, and it's not quite the real world either. Um, but you have the man in black with this line about, I wanted to prove that I wasn't being controlled by a system yeah. that I had a choice. That no system could control me. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, that's how he said it. And I think that... Um, I think the reason he says this is he, from seeing Delos over the years and his, like, trying to transfer Delos and his consciousness into, like, a new being, I think he knows that this information that Logan gave us about, like, oh, humans can't change, like, the best they can do is live according to their code. And so he set out to, like, prove that there was a version of his consciousness that could exist that could change. And I think that that might be what we're going to some of in the third season, but I do think that this realm they're in is nothing that we've ever seen before. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. Like, and I I love the theory about you know getting more of that and how we get to that room going forward. The most interesting line in that entire sequence for me was, "This is not a simulation. Mm-hmm. This is your world, or what's left and, of it." Yeah. Well, and him and her saying, "This is your world," I actually think that is the crux of we need to find out what that means because. On a, a simple way, you think, oh, this is the human world. But she says, this is your world. And if you think about the other times we've heard that, Delos says it when he buys Westworld. So we could still be talking about some iteration of the park. Could be talking about the real human world. Or we could be talking about, this is literally fucking your world, and you're the only thing left in it, and this is your like private personal purgatory because you sucked in your real life. Yeah, I took it as like, this is the Forge, which is part of you know the Westworld, which was your world, and that, that I think it to be like pretty pretty face value. No, that because that would be a simulation. No, like he literally is back in the park years later, and it's all fucking. She says this is your world or what's left of it. Like it's all in disrepair because it's been fucked up. Because obviously you're not going to reopen the park after what happened. So it's just it's just sitting there in disrepair, and he's back. It's the there. Jurassic World state of the park. Yeah. Okay. I, or maybe yeah. he's all those years, because we do know from, I think, some interview and people have been talking about it, that that end scene is supposed to be hundreds of years in the future. So maybe until then, his consciousness was in some Forge-like simulation living out a loop, and he's just re-entered where he has like a physical body, like the Delos Ooh, yeah. that we saw. That doesn't explain why we see Emily, because why would they be making host Emily's like hundreds of years after this is not a thing anymore? Because but... it's the real Emily, Jared's theory says. You think she's 100 years old? No, no, no. Okay, <laughs> I, don't, I don't trust what Lisa Joy said. I'm, just, I'm saying, I don't trust what any showrunner says about, about what's going to happen, because we're, we're not supposed to know. They made it ambiguous on purpose. They're not going to make it ambiguous and then go in an interview and then tell us 
Yeah, this is why I end up on the side of Jared with uh, the whole like, if it doesn't happen on the screen, I don't care. It, it, I don't. It's it gets really annoying if you're relying on showrunners, actors, directors, whatever, to provide you with information or quotes that are driving you to believe things. And I don't like doing that with Game of Thrones. I don't like doing it with Westworld. I don't like doing it with movies. It, I think it, that's the whole point, right? Like we watch these things and we get our own interpretations. I don't, I don't put a whole lot of stock in that. No, I just think I think like possibly the whole Stubbs as a host thing. Like I think maybe he came out and said that because he realized, oh, not enough people are, seem to understand this. I thought I put it subtly in there, but easy to understand. But people seem, still seem torn, and maybe that's why he said it. But I just don't see why they would make this really, really ambiguous end scene that pumps you up for season three and explain it to you and at least give you the framing. Oh, it's 100 years in the future, blah, blah, blah. It's, and you got to also keep in mind, creators, people who, who you know, work on things like this, they're, uh, they can be a bit, uh, how do I put this without it being offensive, controlling. So the greatest example of all time is J.K. Rowling going back and saying Dumbledore is gay. Mm-hmm. That has absolutely nothing to do with anything and was just a weird way to drum up publicity, basically. Like, if he was gay, it's great. But you got to make him gay in the book. I don't want you to tell me he's gay after you killed him in a book. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like... There's no point. All that does is, is cause you to go back and rethink right. everything. And it's kind of like once you've created the character and you've given us your book or your movie or your TV show, the final product, you're done. Now it's ours. And we get to do whatever the fuck we want with it until you give us more that changes what we think. You know what I mean? It's like, like if after Westworld ends, like, Joy and Nolan were like, hey, just so you know, like, Ford was actually a host the entire time. I know you never saw him be a host. We never really mentioned it. But now you need to go back and rewatch it with that framing in your mind. Yeah, it's, it's like, no, no, sorry. You don't get to do that. I'd be mad, yeah. I'd be punching the drought on if that happens. Yeah, just bloody knuckles. Just, yeah. Brah! Bloody so Knuckles, have- underrated lunchroom right. game. No. What? No. Yeah, it's been the quarter. <laughs> That's a terrible game. Go on, though. Sorry. Um, one crackpot theory I will throw out there about this ending credit scene is I think that the moment where he kills Emily is his defining moment in the same way that Thales' was when basically, like, told Logan to fuck off. And I think that if he was in some version of, like, the Forge for years after, that he would have been trying to relive a narrative path in which he didn't kill his daughter. But just like the defining moment in Thales' life, no matter what he does, his path will always lead to that. And that ties into that, like, fleck of darkness. I don't know when it crept in. Yeah. That's, that's my final crackpot theory on that. I don't, I don't think it's his... My, I would argue that the Man in Black's defining moment, whatever it was that made Williams, you know, defined his life, that it happened before he even came into the play. That it was his wife dying. Probably. That's what I thought. Because that, that, not only did his wife die, who, I mean, it seemed like they weren't really in love anymore, and maybe never were, but it seems like that's when he realized, like, oh shit, my darkness has manifested itself in the world. My life is alive. Yeah. So, I would agree with that. And also, if he kept going back to the Emily thing, like, he would be actually reliving that moment, not just seeing Emily in the forge or whatever. Which is why I think my crackpot theory is that it was a host Emily that he killed, 
and that this scene is like five years in the future after the parks in disarray and Emily is there to do his fidelity test because she's the only person who's close enough to him to be able to do it because it has to be somebody close to you. But I know that's probably wrong. Just gonna say. It could be like a combination of everything that we're all saying, to be honest. You know, a little bit from each theory. And, yeah, a, um, l- a little bit from Ross's theory. What was your theory again, Ross? Back in the pile. That what? Was, what? What's back in the pile? Oh. Just rewind it if you want to hear my theory. Oh, my I don't think you gave one. Just right now. Make one up. About what? About the man, man in black and Emily in that post credit scene. Just make one up right now. Uh, I believe it doesn't. I don't care. I, I know that's not sexy for the podcast, but like I don't care about that last scene. Like I, I have said it multiple times now. The showrunners or whoever have come out and said it could be thousands of years in the future. I don't care. It didn't have anything. If it, if it comes into play later on, if season three finds a way to make that matter... Super. Otherwise, it was just kind of a cool, cute way to end the season. I don't think there's necessarily... How could you possibly know what's happening there? You know what I mean? You're not supposed to. That's the whole point. So I don't care. Well, and the other thing about that, Ross, to your point, is that the likelihood... Like, shows go on break after they air. The likelihood is pretty high that they haven't even started writing what happens next. They probably have it slated. You know, they have ideas. Like, they storyboarded it. They know kind of where they want to go, but the likelihood that they've actually fleshed that out all the way is really low. So yeah, I'd say like if they don't even know zero percent. Yeah, exactly. Nah. And I, I mean to borrow a quote from True Detective season two, everything is fucking season two. Oh yeah. Nobody watched that, did they? It was awful. Uh here's a crackpot theory that I'll leave you with. Do you think part of Charlotte Hale saying to Elsie, we've been watching, you know, the guests, but we've also been using this project to watch the employees is part of the foreshadowing that we'll see, like, maybe Elsie come back? Yes, and I think, actually, I don't know if you guys noticed, that when Dolores is looking at those books in the library, the one that she picks up says Carl Strand, and it's right next to Charlotte Hale. So there are for sure copies of these employees in the forge. Here's a question I had about that whole, we're also watching the employees. Wouldn't they have noticed that all the employees are terrible? <laughs> that they're completely incompetent? Yes, but I think all the people in this show are relatively terrible, which is, I mean, for the most part, which is sort of, like you guys pointed out, what do you think Lisa Joy and Jonah Nolan actually think of humans? I don't think they have a real high opinion of us. And I think a lot of a lot of this show is to point out the incompetency of humans, which also kind of feeds their overall point that, like, humans are the fucked up, imperfect ones. Yeah. That, yeah, I get like, that. People are not very good at their jobs in this show. I mean, like, Elsie's probably the only human that, like, didn't pretty much suck. The only other thing I'd say is that when she says we've also used, we've also been watching the employees, that doesn't mean that, like, Charlotte Hale or even someone Charlotte Hale has hired is sitting in a, a screen physically watching the employees. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's a computer. It's like, think of it this way. Those, uh, what are we calling the white guys that don't have any... The butchers? Oh, the droids. The droids. Dro- drones? The drones. Whatever those drones. dudes are. Yeah. It's like one of those guys logging stuff. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like a human doing it and then being like, fuck, we should really get on Felix for being terrible at his job. Well, well Felix is good. Sylvester. Whatever. Suck. The likelihood is probably home that they don't actually check unless they have a reason to. Like, for instance, I use my work computer to research things sometimes when it gets slow. And some of the things that I research, especially about Westworld, 
get pretty weird. And I know that my IT department can see everything I do on the computer, but they haven't confronted me about it. So that just means that, you know, somewhere in the system it's logged, like every keystroke I make, but either no one's watching it because they haven't had a reason to because I'm not a shady person, or they aren't going to bring it up because it's not relevant. But yeah, it's kind of like that, I think. You were watching like pterodactyl porn. No, I think those kinds of sites are blocked. They haven't tried. Oh, okay. Our security is pretty high. Hey, if you want something, if you if you don't have anything to do today and you're listening and you're and you're alone and you're on a computer that can't get you fired, Google pterodactyl porn. You're welcome. Are you are you actually telling people on this podcast to look up porn? That's yes. how that's how we're sending off this whole season. Yeah, it's been a fun yeah, ride. Never, it's been a fun ride. Reach out for just we, you know, two seasons of Westworld. Uh, time to watch some pterodactyl porn. That's that's my message. That's that's quite a message. You're uh, welcome. I, I'm not going to stand behind that. I mean, you're free to do it, but uh, let just let it be known that Jared does not endorse this message. Serena, what else do you have for us? Anything? Um, yeah, my last my parting thought is more just like a moment that I found to be especially poignant. I know that we've all seen the side by side of Logan's last conversation with his father and. Uh, malfunctioning host James Delos's conversation with Elsie and Bernard and it being the same line. Yeah. And I guess um, you guys talked a little bit about what it meant on the Monday episode. And I think it just very poignant to me because it shows that even in his malfunctioning state, like basically breaking and falling apart and like not a working host, he reverts back to this moment mm-hmm. and that it was that, and enmeshed into his life. I don't know. That just that kind of got me. I cried. I'll say it. I didn't cry during the uh, Akichita episode, but, but that moment got me. Logan has the power. He has that ability. Did you know he's British? Yep. Ben Barnes is British. Not. He's a great American accent. He really does. I, I never caught it, and usually I can tell. Yeah, he, he crushed that. Uh, Serena, where can everybody follow you on the social? I am at Serena underscore Therese on everything. Oh, that was wait. I thought you said, I thought you had a different one. Well, okay. So you you told me that I needed to change it for branding, and then so I was gonna, and I realized it was already changed. So I guess like some past version of myself foresaw this. One of the different Forge versions, for sure. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of wow. iterations of my consciousness out there. Serena, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for all the work you did the whole season. You crushed it. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for this podcast. It was. It's been awesome to look forward to every Monday and to get to laugh a little bit about my favorite show. So thanks for all you guys do and for having me on. And I guess I'll see you in two years when season three comes back. Maybe we'll one day, that's where we'll see you again, where the horizon meets the... I don't know the line. You tried. I tried. And that's what matters. I fucking tried. I tried, but I don't know it. Yeah. Later, Serena. Later. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, that concludes this episode, and that also concludes our entire run of episodes for season two. I will remember you. It has been an unbelievable ride. As I said, me and Ross have been doing this shit since February because we watched all the way through season one before we did season two. Damn, I didn't even think about that. So, yeah, my Sunday nights, I'm about to have my Sundays back, which is going to be tight. What are you going to do with your time, Jared? Uh, I'm going to sleep more. Oh. 
Maybe you take drink a little less coffee. Maybe maybe I'll vape a little less caffeine now. That's a callback. Shout out to everybody who remembers when I vaped caffeine. That's that's that was a great time what a in this horrific, show's history. Horrific health decision. That was a great time in this show's history. So here's the deal, guys. We will be coming back, obviously, for season three. Now, between now and then, and when I say then, I bet you our first episode for season three will probably be... 2020. You think so? Yeah. Or late 2019. I don't know. But maybe 2020. I'd guess 2020. It'll be probably for the first trailer that gets released. We'll probably come back, do a little breakdown. For the first official episode for season three, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we'll be coming back. Like, we're not gone forever. No. We'll be coming back before the season starts with some some hype-up material, some pump-up shit. And intermittently... Yes. When we can, we're going to come back and interview cast members. And I would be lying if I said to you, we don't already have one in the works. How about that shit? Not going to tell you who it is. Luke hit the explosion horn. Famp. Famp. We currently have it's the only one, horn we have. We currently have a cast member interview in the works. We're setting it up, and hopefully that one will be out if all goes according to plan within the next month. Um, That's quite the timeline for yeah. one episode. And we're hoping that cast member interview will open up the door, that was intern Trina's pun, to more cast member interviews. Yes. That's the idea. We want to get connected. Evan Rachel Wood didn't respond to my tweets the other day. Neither did Ben Barnes. Neither is anyone I've ever tweeted at, really. But soon, <laughs> maybe. One day. Soon. The good thing about the offseason is that they're all less busy. And so they'll be more willing to do interviews. They're not. They're not all less busy. <laughs> Many of them move on to other projects. Uh, Jared, but I get your point. Yeah, thank they're you. They're less busy with Westworld. Yes, and they want to yeah. keep up the, the hype. Yeah. The hype Everybody line. on the show just goes into a hibernation period where they stay at home and they need things to do. So we're going to get them all on the podcast. Don't you worry. Uh, yes. So that's the deal. So now say, please stay subscribed. Please clap. And also, please stay subscribed. Please clap. Because that's how you'll be getting these these episodes sent to you. Now, I will say this, though. Uh, if you're not... if I think if we don't post a podcast for two weeks, you might get auto-unsubscribed. Oh, you do. So, so you he, better keep your eye on the social medias. Yeah. So you need, right now, if you do not follow us on social media, at Motor on Twitter, and at Motor Functions on Instagram, then you and, will not know... And at Jared Borislow. And at WR Bolin. Yes. If you follow those accounts then you will find out, because you will not get a notification on your phone, you will find out when our interviews are dropping. Yeah, because we'll spam you. No, I'm not, I'm, but we'll make a post from each of those accounts, like, hey, we got a new interview with, you know, uh, what's the name of the actress who plays Charlotte Hale? Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson's on the show this week, whatever it is. So, yeah, if you only rely right now on your like subscription to the podcast, you need to find a new way of getting our news. Do that on our social media. Uh, wow, this is this is sad. This is this is tough to do, but it's time to say goodbye to you guys. It's time. It's time. It's time. You're good at it. I'm not. Freezone Motor Functions is brought to you by Grand X Media and hosted by me, Jared Borislow, along with Rick, Ross Bolin, Balters. Intern Luke produced the show. Special thanks to Phil from DC, aka Schnappel, on SoundCloud for our intro music, Brad Hess for our outro music, and Intern Torino does insanely awesome Westworld themed Photoshop work for us that you can still check out because we're going to still be doing it on Twitter at Freezel Motor and Instagram at Freezel Motor Functions. It's not goodbye, it's see you later. Wow.
Dude, you could have ended this with the quote, though. Like, the quote that I tried to hit earlier and I botched. Oh, shit. There's still time. Oh, my God. I, I'm going to tell a little story quickly before we end this thing. It's about a boy who, uh, are you Googling? Faster. Yeah. Uh, he, had a, he had a lamb named Sam who he fleeced. Uh, come on, Jared. Come on, I, man. Okay, I, do, I don't know where the fuck I'm it not is. a fucking storyteller. I don't know how. I can't just pull a story about a lamb out of my ass to save you. I truly can't find this, this quote is, on the internet. This is this is absurd. Okay, I found it. And this is how Ross and I will leave you. I've always loved this view. And the view is, you guys, every city, every monument, man's greatest achievements have all been chased by it. By what? Says Bernard. <laughs> that impossible line where the waves conspire. Where they return. <laughs> this motherfucker's trying to do it while he watches it the with place subtitles maybe. on. Just unbelievable. I just, I you just and said, I will meet again. And then we disappear. <laughs> for real though, we had fun this season. Thank you. We had a great Thank time. Thank you for listening. That was it's you guys, we got way more listeners than we thought we would. So, thank you. <laughs> what does that have to do with it? We really thought this was going to be a massive failure. <laughs> it ended up not being those. It was a great success. We love thank you guys. You for that. We love you. Deuce.